0: I'm Jill Shaw, and you're listening to Last Night at School Committee. Ross Wilson and I are here to summarize for you what happened last night during the Boston Public Schools School Committee meeting. Last night, School Committee heard operational updates on buildings, buses, air, and water, and then moved on to ESSER funding, a code of conduct update, and a proposal for more libraries. Ross, good morning.
1: Good morning, Jill. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing well. So, Jill, lots has happened has happened since our last meeting. Uh, first and foremost, our students have returned to in-person learning. Um, I was hoping to hear last night a little bit more about that. Like, how are our students right. doing? How are our teachers doing? How right. is, you know, given that we're everyone's back full-time in person, how's it going? You know, and in fact, I would have loved to hear from a couple of teachers talking about, yeah. you know, how they think they're doing and how they think their students are doing. Yeah, and by the way, COVID. what's
0: it like, right, coming back from COVID? Right. Yeah.
1: So... Anyway, uh, also a lot has happened politically. Uh, you know, we've we um, well first and foremost, the superintendent did pass her licensure exam. Yeah. So she is fully licensed. Yeah. We have two finalists for mayor in the city of Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, city council put forward a non-binding vote that voters in Boston will vote on in November asking if the school committee should shift to an elected school committee versus an appointed one.
0: If it's a non-binding vote, it means we just want your opinion.
1: Yes, but the opinion is going to kind of guide, guide what they do next. Yeah, right. And the first week of November will tell us who the next mayor is, who our new city councilors are, and right. how the public feels about the school committee. And Jill, four new members of the – there could be potentially four new members on the school committee because four members will be up for renewal in the mm-hmm. coming months. Right. And, you know, honestly, what I was looking for last night was to see if there was any change in the interactions between school committee members and the superintendent given this context, this political context in Boston.
0: Did, did you see anything? I saw some small shifts. Small shifts. Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll get into that, I think, as we start to discuss things. Um, so, buses, Ross, have been a huge topic of distress since the beginning of school. And the superintendent included that in her initial update. Here she is.
2: So far this year, the on-time transportation of students in Boston has surpassed the average over the past five years, not counting last year's hybrid learning, which only saw roughly half of our students attending school in person. On the first day of school, 57% of buses were on time and that percentage increased to 81% the second Friday. So, several school
0: committee members expressed frustration with the bus performance over the past couple of weeks. Here's what school committee member Lorena Lepera had to say on the topic.
3: The way I look at it is, if we had a family who was chronically late even by 15 minutes or by 30 minutes, we would be on top of them trying to figure out what is going on. And so, I expect us to do the same for ourselves, um, because that's instructional time. That is breakfast time for our students. And we want to make sure that they are on time. And And in the afternoons, it's the same thing. There is nothing worse than being at work and getting a phone call saying, you have to figure out how to take care of your child.
0: So Ross, buses are not running even close to 100%. What is going on here?
1: Oh, I'm totally confused by this, Jill. First, yeah. first uh, back before... Let's go back to the, first, the meeting we had last, mm-hmm. um, right before school started. Superintendent said to school community members, hey, we don't have enough drivers. Like we're down 100 drivers. We have enough bus monitors. We may not have buses on opening day. Right. And, but we really won't know until the first day of school. Right. And we'll alert families if we have enough drivers the first day of school. Two days before that, or maybe the first day of school, we heard from acting Mayor Janey and the superintendent that all the problems were solved and that they were related to collective bargaining rather than to to hiring. Yeah. So we were right. told sort of like this is about a collective bargaining and the collective bargaining agreement has been uh, rectified and dealt with and right. dealt with, with, the, with the drivers. And then on the first day of school, we had a bunch of parents told that they're the morning of yeah. that their buses would not arrive. Right. Then, now we hear, right, at, at this meeting, we're really doing well, right? We have record on-time subpar performance. For,
0: for the buses. buses that are even on the road. On the road. it's They're not counting all the buses. No, just so the buses that are driving. They're
1: kind of like, for those that are on yep. the road, yep. um, they're doing really well. Sometime, and,
0: well, they're doing almost really well. They're yeah, still 19%. Per, right, right, right. You know, 81%. Yeah.
1: So, a bunch yeah. of kids aren't getting to school on time, but that's okay. And yeah. maybe a bunch of Buses are not running at all. Right. Um, so we so the disconnect here. Yeah. And honestly, you know, Jill, when when parents hear um, the superintendent or the acting mayor claim victory and yeah. uh, and talk about how well buses are running. Yeah. And you know, there's a good article in the uh, Boston Globe today, which. Uh, highlights a parent whose student she won't send her son to school because she's too afraid that what happened uh, earlier in the year will mm. happen again or a couple weeks ago her son got home at 8 45 pm five five hours after the end of school and she's and she can't be assured that that won't happen again right I mean we've we heard from parents last night at school committee that they just hear at the end of the day that their their, their child can't get home yeah I mean this is absolutely ridiculous so what's happening with buses Jill Yes, there's a little bit of like the old, yeah, every year we have problems with buses. Yeah. But this seems to be worse like absolute cancel routes. Right. Uh, student families are fearful for their child safety. Yeah. Really problematic.
0: Well, it's also, you know, how big a problem is it and why isn't school committee asking that question? You know, because this isn't a pitch, no one's buying anything. I mean, this should be like you would think that a school committee meeting is a logistical meeting to figure out what's not working and what's working and how to fix. What's not working, but if if the superintendent comes in pitching that everything's okay and hiding data that says that it's not, how is anyone supposed to make the right decisions about uh, this?
1: That's a great point. Why? Who are we pitching? I mean, right. we're, we're past the primaries, now, right? Right. We know who our two finalists of the right. mayors are uh, for the mayor races. Um, I don't understand who we're protecting and why. Don't we don't have. The, we, don't, we just have an yeah. honest conversation. Get about what to are kids doing? school. Let's get kids to school. Yeah, it's ridiculous.
0: So then we were supposed to. At this meeting here about the exam school policy in September, it was the goal that the school committee had set for itself back in the summer. But what happened last night on this topic of the exam school?
1: Well, Jill, let's play a clip here. The superintendent, as part of her superintendent update, gave a update on the exam school policy.
2: I want to shift to an exam school implementation brief update, which we will update you more fully on October 6th. Now that all of our schools are open and the school year is full swing, we have begun the process of implementing the exam school policy that was passed this summer. My team is working diligently on the assessments and on grading processes, and on and I look forward to bringing an updated presentation at our next meeting on October 6th.
1: That's it, Jill. Uh, That was a clip. Uh, The superintendent's entire update on exam schools about 30 seconds, maybe a little bit shy of 30 seconds. And her update was that there'll be an update later uh, at a later date. And, uh, you know, honestly, uh, maybe we should do an episode, Jill, on like how many times we say this is going to be happening at a later date. Right. And then a school committee member Arujo had these comments. I voted to approve
4: uh, 10 points being applied to certain uh, certain schools as a uh, change from the task force recommendation, but um, uh, you know I, I appropriately relied on the superintendent and, um, and was supportive of it. Um, I've learned since then uh, from, from families who've shown me their own analyses, their own spreadsheets, that uh, their children, by going to certain BPS schools, because of uh, applying these 10 points to the schools, uh, that they're going to have essentially, or actually a 0% chance of getting into any of the exam school programs. Um, I, I want to be clear. I, I never intended to support a policy that would do that. If I knew that it was going to do that, I would not have supported that policy. And he goes
1: to, as far as to say that he recommends delaying the implementation until the school committee has everything that they need to make a sound decision and to deal with, you know, quote unquote, unintended consequences.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh,
1: and
3: I
4: would propose,
1: if
3: that isn't,
4: if that is the case, if these families are right. I hope that they're wrong, that uh, that we suspend. Uh, at least for this interim period, the ten points to the schools, not to the individual students that are getting it—you know, that subset that are getting it because of DCF or uh, or BHA status—but to the schools themselves, fundamentally unfair on that. So,
1: to which the superintendent responded,
2: "I appreciate that push, and um, on the, on October sixth, we will make sure that we present the data that's been requested."
3: Thank you.
1: You know, Jill, other school committee members expressed their concern uh, around this issue as well and wanting to see a simulation of the data so they can truly understand the impact on what they voted on, what they unanimously
4: approved.
0: Right. So school committee members said that and then there was also public comment on this issue. Let's play that.
4: Um, I'd like to just briefly build on the committee's comments about the exam school admissions policy status update um that was i think originally supposed to happen tonight um first i just wanted to note that i think what the committee requested in july wasn't just a general update on how the new policy is being implemented the superintendent is expected to specifically address the really significant differences between the policy that was ultimately adopted by the committee in july um, and the final proposal of the exam school admissions task force which had been much more thoroughly explained um, to the public Uh, the impact of those differences frankly should have been known before the new policy was even adopted and it's disappointing um, that we've now had to wait more than two months to get any of the relevant information around those differences and then on a similar note i just wanted to add that a lot of members of the public i think are particularly looking forward to this report because we expect that the superintendent will finally make public bps's simulated admissions results under the new policy Um, throughout the task force process bps routinely and on very short notice produced simulations under various proposals that were considered but ultimately rejected by the task force. So um, it's really just baffling that we still haven't seen any simulations under the policy that the committee actually approved. And I think it will be a tremendous source of frustration for a lot of BPS families if the October 6th update doesn't include those simulations. Thanks very much for your time.
0: So Ross, why did the school committee vote on this? Question before they had adequate data.
1: You know, it, it's a it's a really good question, Jill. I mean, I, I think you know, after a year or almost a year of a of a task force that was working on this so diligently, and by the way, as part of that process, as we heard from this during public comment, yeah. there was a lo- a lot of simulations run within hours and yeah, days, totally of. of of the requests. that yet BPS can't run a simulation on the final proposal they voted on. Well,
0: can't or won't, won't is the question. Won't. I would right. say won't. Yeah.
1: And you know, they must have been pushed to vote on this and just get it over with, right? Like just move forward. Or
0: or they didn't know. You know, if you go back and listen to that school committee meeting, I really wonder if they didn't know that they what they didn't know.
1: Let us just remember here, there was a shift, right? The exam school task force recommended a policy yep. that was simulated yep. by the task force. Right. That everyone knew the result, what they think the results of that would have been. The superintendent, a day or two or whatever it was, be, prior to the school committee meeting, shifted that policy. Yeah, change. She changed the policy,
0: but she didn't say she shifted it.
1: She didn't say it. She kind of said, "We're voting on the po- what was given to us right. from the task force," but right. there was a shift in the policy That's right. without running simulation. And some school committee members at that meeting said, "Hmm." We should see the result of this, yeah. Because so I, I don't think they didn't know, Jill. I think they knew, and they asked to see the result of it in, in early September, yeah, um, and then ignored it, right? Uh, and here we are, end of September, right. no data, um, and and in fact, I mean, I think the superintendent would just put this policy fully in action. Um, and would not want to run a simulation on it because I don't think she wants to show that the policy may be flawed.
0: Well, but here's the question, right? Because so now we hear that families are building their own simulations to inform school committee members, right? So school committee members are now getting data from parents, but and they can't rely on the superintendent. She hasn't shown a simulation yet. Are we gonna see a simulation at the next meeting, do you think?
1: I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I Honestly, I don't know. And, and this kind of reminds me a lot of the start and end time fiasco yeah. um, where the school committee came up with a policy on start and end times without the school system ever running a simulation on how it would work. And lo and behold, that was a disaster. And the policy was thrown out. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, transparency is important here, Jill. And the way to make this happen is to show the impact of the policy voted upon, see if there's any unintended consequences, deal with them, and move forward rather than having hiding and playing games well, without showing the data. Right,
0: because it seems crazy that you could send your kids to a school in this district, and there is no promise that they can get into every school, that we're just.
1: No, 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 no promise. There's no, there, apparently no opportunity. what we heard from Mr. DeRuja was yeah. that families have run simulations on the data to show that there is 0% chance of no getting chance. into an exam school. And right. so it, it, that seems to be flawed.
0: Yeah, right. Well, with all of this going on, we still don't have basic operational needs met in the district. We don't have much clean water for our students and staff.
2: There have been some delays from our new bottled water vendor. We have been working with the team and today I can report all schools have their stock of water and we have 100 bottles in reserve. And as the
0: air cools, air conditioners still haven't been installed.
2: Bids have been returned for the installation of our air conditioning units across the district, and we are moving forward with the contract process. We are on track for installation of units to begin in October.
0: And student member of school committee Zyra Mercer had this exchange with Deputy Superintendent Sam DePina about windows, air conditioners, and safety.
3: So how will these ACs be installed when some schools, including mine, do have bars or some kind of wires on top of the windows in some or most of the, um, class. sorry, some or most of the windows?
4: Sure, so um, when we're talking about bringing um, contractors in to install them, those are the type of things that we have to assess and navigate around. So not to oversimplify it, but we'd have to remove any obstacles out of the way and then figure out the best way to secure them into the windows. So, so we will have a plan for that, but not to oversimplify, but we'll just move anything that's in the way and make the installation.
3: And then also, along with the bars or wires in the windows, will all the bars or wires in all the schools be taken down? Because it could be a safety issue if a fire does break out.
4: We can, we can continue to talk about that, um, because those, some of those bars are up for safety reasons and concerns. So we'd have to be real careful on what we remove and what we uh, keep in place. But happy to have further conversations offline about it.
0: So Ross, what do you make of all of this? Why isn't this all done? Everyone has been out of those buildings for 16 months. This has been; these are all needs that we've had since the beginning of COVID. What's happening?
1: I don't know. Jo- I'm exhausted know. Uh, by this one. You know, know, we finally have all of our kids back in schools. N- no social distancing. Right. right? And I think the, the superintendent last night said, well, we have air filtration or air filters in 88 schools. Like somehow like. Like that's okay. Out of 125. Uh, yeah, we, we have more right. schools than 80. Like it's yeah. not okay when our, all of our students are back. We right. have spikes in COVID. Right. We're not testing all of our students yet nope. and staff yet. We our staff I, are putting in their vaccination data. I think this week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of exhausting to be like, how could you not have it? And it's then just so
0: many weeks and months behind. Yeah. I, like, like if I was a school committee member,
1: if I was a school committee member listening to this, and I and I'll tell you how, my feeling about it last night listening to it was yeah. like. It was outrage. It's like yeah. okay, so we're gonna get we're gonna start installing air conditioners in October. Yeah,
0: like we have hundred extra <laughs> bottles of water. Yeah, yeah, and we finally we finally
1: got in we finally got in water and we have a hundred extra bottles. Yeah. I and mean, are those like five ounce bottles? I yeah. hope they're the big ones. <laughs> you know, like I I, I mean, I, I, this is really. Nobody asked, nobody, nobody said, wait a minute, hold on. Hold yeah. on a second. Like, how could this not be done? Well,
0: well, except for the student who's yeah. living through it.
1: Right. Zyra, right. She's like, she's like, hey, by the way, I have bars on my windows. Yeah. How will you install the air conditioner? And it was like, well, well, don't worry, we'll figure it out and we'll just take the bars down. And then she said, but she was making a point here. Yeah. I'm kind of nervous. Like how, what our egress? Yeah. Um, how do we get out the windows if there's a fire with the bars? Right. Well, And then it was said, well, the bars may need to stay. What is it? It
0: was so confusing. What is it? Very confusing. So we've been hearing for months that there was going to be a vote on Mm ESSER funding. And in fact, certain school committee members were insisting that there be a vote. We've heard school committee members warn that the funding should not be spent on salaries because it will create an untenable cliff when the funding runs out. Actually, here's school committee chair Robinson's comment on the cliff.
2: Uh, When I looked at that slide, you know, uh, recognizing the Esther money is only here for three years and looking at that list of investments. And I guess my question is, how do we build so that we don't lose these investments after the three years? Because this begins to look like what our schools should look like all of the time in terms of the kinds of investments that are all listed here. And so that's my biggest question. How do we not lose sight? of all of what this slide is telling us as we move through ESSER and beyond.
0: So Ross, they did finally vote last night, but what did they actually vote on?
1: Yeah, they voted on a conceptual plan for how to use, uh, how to allocate $123 million. Okay. Right, so let me just go back for a second here, right? Like, there is ESSER one, where the district received the funds in September of 2020, Mm -hmm. and they have to spend them by September of 22. Okay. And that was like 55 million. That was CARES Act money, $55 million. Mm-hmm. And there was no vote on that. That was mostly used for food and just basic needs yep. of the school system. Yep. Um, now there's ESSER two, and this is what was covered last night. This is $123 million. They receive the funds now, fall of 21, and the deadline to spend them is September of 23. And essentially what the superintendent put forward is what we've seen already 50% goes to schools, 50% goes sort of to central office programming.
0: Right. Okay. Right.
1: That was pretty much the content here. And the school committee members in previous meetings really pushed for a vote and they want yeah. to have a say yeah. in this. Right. It doesn't seem like anything has changed. They right. never really had a say in it. And it seems like they did a vote because school committee said we have to vote on it. But right. it was the same content. Now, I do want to highlight something that's really interesting. ESSER mm-hmm. 3. Which is ARP Act. Okay. $276 million. This is like double yeah. what they just voted on last night. They will receive those funds spring of 22. Mm-hmm. It Has to be spent by the September of 24. Mm-hmm. That plan, Jill, is due October 4th. Of this year? This year. The draft plan is due October 4th.
0: So we don't know what's in it.
1: You know, theoretically, you would want to learn about how you did with ESSER yeah. 2 yeah before you like yeah. figure out ESSER 3 right you know, um, but that will we'll, we'll the next meeting by the way school committee meeting is october 6 i think yeah so that is after the draft um, proposals do
0: it'd be interesting if we hear or see about the draft so the first presentation of the meeting was about uh, it was an update to the bps code of conduct and it seems like this presentation could have simply been a memo. Is it even an update if all the parties don't yet agree? Well, so
1: there is some concern here, right? So there's a a few different entities involved in helping to create the code of conduct for BPS. This mm-hmm. is important, right? This is how we the interaction between students and staff at schools um, occurs if there's a, you know an infraction, a behavioral infraction, a right. conduct infraction. And, and there
0: is a code of conduct. This is. is an update there's that's an update. being negotiated.
1: And there was a committee made called COCAC, which is essentially the committee to over, as, as an advisory committee mm-hmm. for the code of conduct. Mm-hmm. During public comment, before there was a presentation on this code of conduct right. and the amendment, we heard from the chair of COCAC saying they don't agree with what BPS is recommending right. uh, last night and didn't hear from BSAC if they support what was put forward last night. Right During the presentation, we heard some slight changes, but we don't know essentially what the core of that disagreement is. And no, there shouldn't have been a presentation on this if the COCAC, if the advisory council, Which is in charge of sort of advising on what the content is. If they are blatantly saying they don't agree with what BPS put forward, there shouldn't have been a presentation. That needs to be worked out. Um, And that committee has been around since 2010. They got to figure it out. So uh, we'll, we'll have more on this. I'll be interested. I don't think they'll vote on this at the next meeting if COCAC is not in support of the plan.
0: That makes sense. So then the second presentation of the meeting was about libraries. And Ross, what do you think? Should we be building libraries with everything else that needs to be done? Is this the first priority?
1: Jill, like this is how the superintendent responds to the question from school committee member LaPera about how to spend ESSER mm-hmm. funds and what the superintendent wants earmarked
3: for libraries. Right. Mr. Cooter had mentioned earlier in thinking of how do we streamline our investments to make sure that it's moving towards all, you know, the same area. We need to be thinking about that with our facilities, um, because of the choices a STEM lab and a library, our t- our children are just missing out, right? So mm-hmm. we have to figure out how to make that work. And you should have to make a choice.
2: Suburban suburban kids have those all the time. And so so let's
3: figure um, out because, how to make that
2: happen. So the the bigger work is, you know, working with our next mayor around the capital improvements and expansions that we need. Um, And it's going to cost the city billions of dollars (laughs) if we're going to give kids the buildings that they deserve Um, and i'm a champion for that and have been since we since I got here we're right now fixing the basics, but now that we've got we're you know got the funding for clean water we've got the funding for the air. Um, you know, it and we've gotten our buildings clean and we've got additional custodians built into the operational budget and we fixed windows. You know, we need to fix the remainder of the windows, but we also need to ensure that um, we have gymnasiums and cafeterias that are adequate and we have libraries and science labs. So um, that's part of this overall vision of a quality experience and guarantee for every single student um and so we'll have to bring that forward then uh with the bill pps so she's the champion i don't understand aren't we all
0: champions the school committee members parents city residents who care aren't all of us champions you know water air libraries stem labs none of this stuff is new the district needs leadership Ross, isn't the superintendent the one who's supposed to be presenting priorities and real budgets and real timelines so that all of us who are all champions can figure out how to get it done?
1: Yeah. So, 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 so libraries. Yeah. 2009, there was 79 schools of libraries.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. 2021, there's 49 schools of libraries. Mm Mm-hmm. The goal, the intended, like the statement last night was that they're gonna have 15 libraries a year in right. BPS schools. Yeah. Why is it that libraries have, have, we've gone dramatically down the number of libraries over the years? It was never discussed, yeah. right? But members, school committee members started saying, hey, by the way, like there's facility issues. By the way, we may not have space in schools for libraries and maybe we should look at alternative ways of getting libraries in schools. Via, via mobile vans or other methods for getting libraries and yeah, schools. Yeah, nobody
0: said books aren't important.
1: Absolutely. Everyone, everyone said books are important. Yeah. Um, but but I, it seems like this plan was like, let's make a library in every school. This is a
0: space plan, right? This is, a, this is a, an issue of space. Right.
1: So this is the, so just completely ignored. And the question was asked a few times by school community members, yeah. how will you put new libraries in schools if you don't yeah. have space? You right. know, We've seen them replaced over and over again because classroom needs or so on and so forth. And there was no answer given. There's trade-offs here, Jill, right? Libraries, yes. Should we put a library in every school? Absolutely. Should we have a music room in every school? Yes. Should we have a gymnasium in every school? Of course. Should we have an art room in every school? That'd be very nice. Should we have a STEM lab or steam lab in every school? Yes. How about a computer lab? Okay. Um, there's more, right? We can keep going down a sensory room. Yes, we should have that. So yes, but what are the trade-offs? Right. During this meeting, there was a protest by the Edward M. Kennedy School on the street that was covered by the news. The students were outside protesting that the school they're in is completely inadequate to their education. They don't have the facilities, their toilets, literally their toilets are elementary school toilets for high school students. They have programming. This is Edward M. Kennedy Health Careers Academy. Right. There is no health, there's no room for their tools and right. to learn about how to be, enter into a health career. Right. I mean, they're on the news during this meeting saying we're in a subpar facility and yet the disconnect is the superintendent saying we're going to go build libraries in every school. They can't even find a building for the Edward M. Kennedy School. By the way, Jill, it's not only the Edward M. Kennedy School. The McKinley Schools. Are in facilities that are incredibly subpar that need to be replaced, and need they need to find a new, a new three new buildings. Boston Day and Evening Academy, Jill. When it rains outside, it rains in the classrooms. Yeah. The Margarita Muniz Academy, our dual language high school, yeah, is also in an elementary school. So I'm all about uh, libraries. Yeah. But let's solve some of the massive issues in front of us. Like let's get kids into appropriate facilities first and then deal with our library situation last night on the news we heard the superintendent's team say if anybody knows of twenty-five thousand square feet that we could use for the edward m M. kennedy school let us know right that's what they said
0: that was the response to the students protesting outside of their school
1: correct so the disconnect the disconnect by the way jill when we have students who can't get to school right how about we deal with that before we deal with the fact that every every school needs a library Right there's some basic needs not being met in our school system. So I'm all about libraries. I think this was a really misplaced presentation. We, September, let's get our kids back to school safely. Let's deal with their social emotional needs. Let's deal with make sure our teachers are safe. Everybody is safe. Let's talk about libraries in a little in you know a few months from now.
0: Well, and and you know, th- all of these presentations seem to be capped off with you know there's the, there's some issues that are brought up, and then there's a lot of. Celebratory statements made in every case, you know, like this. This presentation ended with libraries are fantastic. We love libraries. Libraries do great things. It as if that's the point.
1: Right. It's not an argument over library. Should we or not have libraries? Yeah. It's it's basically a, an argument over prioritization in our schools. Do system. the work. Right. Do our do our students have a, a, a safe school to go to? Yeah. Is there appropriate ventilation? Yeah. Do they have water? Can yeah. they drink water? Yeah. Are they okay? Yeah. Are our students okay? Do they
0: have the tools that they need to learn? That's it. Yep. Then we can get to
1: libraries and yep. maybe pools right. and other opportunities for our students.
0: Right. Well, as the meeting came to a close last night, School Committee Chair Robinson re- reminded everyone that the next meeting will be a hybrid meeting. And School Committee member Harden Coleman brought back a question that really irked the public the last time he asked it.
3: I want to clarify So, if we're going to go to a hybrid meeting, um, so that people can participate by Zoom uh, and starting six o'clock. Are we going to find a way to um, manage the volume of and get our business done? That is a good question. Yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm obviously concerned that we start at five, we spend two hours or more public time, which I- Public I, not that and then it's going to be now, it's going to be eight, nine o'clock before we start. Some of us have to be going home. Um, it feels, I worry about our productivity if we don't find some way to um, integrate that in a way that doesn't become brutal, frankly.
1: Chill. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What a way to end the meeting. I mean, uh, you know, ends the meeting by we're, we're saying we're going to start at 6 p.m. and then, uh, uh, then Hardin Coleman says, but can we just limit the public comment? He literally said,
0: what are we going to do with this public?
1: He, he literally said, um, we can't even start our meeting till nine yeah. o'clock if public comment takes forever. Right. As if it's Start a our meeting. I, I mean, public comment is probably the most important part of the meeting. Right. And how about other be. behavior changes of school? Like, like, let's get down to the point. There was a lot of wasted time. I won't go in to where there was wasted time last yeah. night. There was a lot of wasted time last night that, would, that had nothing to do with public comment.
0: A lot of platitudes.
1: A lot of platitudes. So, we if we don't if we limit public comment, I think we will see more students on the street like the EMK students did last night. Yeah. By the way, the students at EMK chose not to testify at school committee last night. Yeah, they chose to testify on the street. Yeah, in front of the news cameras. Yeah, and so if Hardin Coleman and other members want that more of that to happen, absolutely limit public comment. Or another way to deal with public comment, Jill, is to respond. And actually solve problems. Yeah. Right. We still have not heard a solution for Horace Mann. Yeah. Right. We still. Have. So it, let's be clear. The way to move forward on, on, on making meetings happen faster is not by limiting the voice of the public. And that is why there's a non-binding vote on the, the city council agenda that we will all have in our ballots in November mm. on should this committee actually represent the interests of the public or have a very quick public comment.
0: And that's what happened last night at the Boston Public Schools School Committee meeting. Here are some questions that we think are worth asking. First off, what is the plan for ensuring students receive healthy food rather than the plastic wrapped processed food that they're receiving today?
1: Jill, how will BPS continue to address transportation issues? How will they ensure that, that this issue does not continue this year or in future years?
0: How many staff have been vaccinated and or have signed up for weekly testing?
1: Last night we heard many testify during public comment about the Mission Hill School. What is the plan and strategy for the Mission Hill School in supporting their school community through these very challenging times?
0: And like like you just mentioned, what is the plan for the Horace Mann School for the Deaf? We haven't heard a thing about it. What's the plan and the long-term strategy for the EMK?
1: And I'll just throw on, how about the McKinley Schools? How about about BDA? We can go on and on. What is the strategy for our, our students to be in appropriate facilities? Is um is it now too late to take any action on the new exam school admission policy? Yeah. Will we hear at the next meeting? Um, well, we don't have that data, maybe next time.
0: Yeah, and how will we measure the impact of the ESSER mm-hmm. funding to help inform round three of ESSER mm-hmm. funding? This plan has to be submitted by October 4th.
1: And of course, there are ways to engage and get involved. First and foremost, get engaged in the race for mayor and uh, at large city councilors, and actually city councilors across all your districts. We're down to two candidates for mayor and we'll cast our votes in November. Education should be the core issue for our elected officials and your vote matters. And as the superintendent team said on the news last night and this morning, if you know of 25,000 square feet of space for the EMK, please reach out to them, let them know. Lastly, if you have any issues with buses, school food, water, safety, or any basic human needs, email Sam DePina. His email address is included in our blog and he is the deputy superintendent for operations.
0: Thank you for listening to last night at school committee. We hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, please rate, review, like, and share it with your fellow friends, parents, and residents of Boston. We all have a stake in the future success of Boston's students. Have a great day.